Forgive me for not offering a perfect quote, but many years have passed since I've heard it. A California high priest of the worshippers of Satan once said that television, movie theaters, radio, and print media, and at this place and time we take the liberty of adding the Internet, are Satan's pulpits, and that entertainers, commentators, newscasters, authors, publishers, etc., are his preachers. Satan has chosen the medium of words to indoctrinate and bind his unsuspecting dupes, the sons and daughters of fallen Adam and Eve. This should be no surprise to those who have made the transition from sons of man to sons of God, for God has created all things by simply speaking them into existence. All things are made out of words. Click on the made out of words on this website. The words that we embrace dictate our present, future, and final eternity. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Choose God's words and live. The only other option is death. If you haven't yet entered into the new life in Christ Jesus, click on to further with Jesus. This could surely be the best day of your life. Now for today's subject. God said, Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, For I am the Lord, I change not. God said, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. God said, Exodus chapter 20, verse 11, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Man said, There are no absolutes. The God of the Bible does not exist. We have the answers to our existence. God and his creation plan are not included in them. Now the record. What is in vogue today in regard to what man claims is truth has, in fact, discredited the supposed truth of yesterday, and today's truth will be discredited tomorrow. It should be obvious, then, that that which man has called truth is not God, on the other hand, is real truth, and he never changes, because truth will always remain true to itself. Keep in mind that when man contradicts God's truth, he will always be found a liar. Remember the peppered moth pictured in your biology textbook that was profiled as proof positive of evolution in action? It was the poster child of the anti-God movement. Founder and President Emeritus of ICR, Dr. Henry M. Morse, reviewed a book by evolutionist Judith Hooper titled, Of Moth and Men. Hooper quotes famed evolutionist Isaac Asimov. Asimov made the following statement, challenging creation scientists just before he exalted the peppered moth as his proof of evolution taking place in front of our very eyes. Asimov said, One of the arguments of the creationist, is that no one has ever seen the forces of evolution at work. That would seem the most nearly irrefutable of their arguments, and yet it, too, is wrong. Concerning Asimov's statement, Dr. Morse said, Asimov then proceeded to recount the evidence of the peppered moth evolving into the Carbonaria variety of the species Biston betularia by a process that has been called industrial melanism. This has indeed become the main popular proof of natural selection, convincing countless innocent students of the fact of evolution. The idea was that the peppered moth had evolved somehow into the melanic moth as a defense against bird predation during the Industrial Revolution in England and the resultant blackened tree trunks. End of quote. 
Of course, the supposed truth of the peppered moth and its proof of evolution have since been fully discredited. In regard to the textbooks, evolutionary historian William Provine, when being interviewed by Hooper, had this to say. It's fun to look through all the textbooks, and always this example, and I mean always, is hauled out. End of quote. I'm sure that most prominent evolutionists are aware that their icon, the peppered moth, is no longer an example of evolution taking place before our very eyes. I'm equally sure that most of society is completely oblivious to this fact. Why wasn't the correction of this devilish delusion given as much energy as its propagation? Could it be that their pride, their ego was damaged? Could it be... Their credibility as right thinkers was damaged. Could it be that they feared damage to their livelihood? Two prominent names in the research and promotion of the peppered moth fable were Oxford University biologist Dr. E.B. Ford and Dr. H.B.D. Kittlewell. Miss Hooper said of Dr. Ford that he was the megalomaniac founder of the Oxford School of Ecological Genetics and that by his own lights had almost single-handedly rescued natural selection from oblivion in the 1920s and 1930s, end of quote. The following paragraphs are from Dr. Morris's article, Evolutionist and the Moth Myth, published in the monthly Back to Genesis feature. The black melanic moths had first turned up in England around 1858 and soon were multiplying, especially in the industrial areas. It was reasonable to attribute their rise in melanism to natural selection. But this was only speculative until it could actively be proved in the field. Dr. Morris had become an ardent defender of natural selection in the Darwinian sense, as opposed to other evolutionary mechanisms being promoted at the time. Eventually, he became convinced that a relatively rapid natural selection had occurred in the peppered moth and could actually be demonstrated by systematic field studies. For this fieldwork, Bernard Kettlewell was selected, and he did perform the well-known field studies that resulted in the to-be-much-publicized proof of evolution in action. As Hooper notes, by the close of the 1950s, the peppered moth would be the poster child for evolution, end of quote. In 1959, the centennial celebration of 100 years of Darwin was convened in Chicago, where adulation and praise were heaped upon the nothing god of evolution. According to Miss Hooper, the peppered moth was becoming evolutionist's number one icon just in time for the big Darwin centennial. End of quote. The keynote speaker at the centennial was Julian Huxley, an admirer of Ford and Kettlewell, who proclaimed the triumph of Darwinism and death of God. The peppered moth was frequently noted by the centennial speakers. Since that great and heady day of the celebration of evolutionism in Chicago, the story of the peppered moth was found to be peppered with falsehood. Man's truth, which attempted to discredit God's truth, again became a lie. In the 1970s, young scientists were finding it impossible to replicate Kettlewell's results. In 1976, Ted Sargent, now emeritus professor of biology at the University of Massachusetts, published his first paper, raising doubts about the credibility of Kettlewell's work. And it was more than doubts. Sargent asserts that all the famous peppered moths on tree trunks photographed and published by Kettlewell were fakes. Many other researchers began finding flaws in Kettlewell's research. According to Hooper, some of the critics of the peppered moth were accused of giving aid and comfort to the enemy, the creationist. 
Cooper went on to say of Kettlewell's research, at its core lay flawed science, dubious methodology, and wishful thinking, end of quote. Cambridge uh, lepidopterist Michael Majerus authored the book Melanism, Evolution in Action, and he said that there was no doubt that the classic story of the peppered moth was wrong in almost every detail. In spite of all the debunking of Kettlewell, Majerus and Judith Hooper were defenders of evolution. The following excerpt is from Dr. Morris's paper, Evolutionist and the Moth Myth. It may be surprising to her and other evolutionists that creationists have never had a problem with the traditional story except with the claim that it was evolution in action. It was really only variation and conservation in action. It could hardly even be called microevolution because the moth remained the same species throughout the process. The words of this writer in a book published almost 30 years ago are still relevant. The classic example of the peppered moth was not evolution in the true sense at all, but only variation. Natural selection is a conservative force operating to keep kinds from becoming extinct when the environment changes. Most creationists, believe it or not, have never questioned the basic story of the peppered moth. After all, a leading British zoologist, L. Harrison Matthews, in his introduction to the 1971 edition of Darwin's Origin of Species, had already said, The peppered moth experiments beautifully demonstrate natural selection or survival of the fittest in action, but they do not show evolution in progress. All the moths remain from beginning to end distant betularia. No creationist today questions the phenomenon of variation in natural selection. Most would not even question speciation. But there is still no evidence whatever for macroevolution or the introduction of new information into the genetic system of any basic kind of organism, including the famous moth. Evolution has always been nothing but a pagan myth. End of quote. The peppered moth is not the only fraud foisted upon the community at large. Click on to Man Changes God's Words and Becomes a Liar. Read about the famous Nebraska man who was reconstructed from a single tooth and used as evolutionary proof in the legendary Scopes trial of 1925, which was driven by the ACLU. Later, the tooth of truth was actually proven to be that of an extinct pig. Remember the infamous Piltdown man? In 1912, this man, which consisted of a piece of a jaw, two molar teeth, and a piece of skull, was paraded out before the world as proof of evolution and the decimation of the God of the Bible. It was big news until 1953, when it was found to be the jawbone of a modern ape. The teeth had been filed down, and the bones artificially colored. The Piltdown man was and is a fraud. In November 1999, National Geographic trumpeted an untrue report of another so-called missing link that was to connect dinosaurs to birds. It is much of evolutionism's claim that dinosaurs are still with us today in the form of birds, even hummingbirds. National Geographic reported that a Chinese farmer came forth with the fossilized remains of a chicken with a dinosaur's tail. In a U.S. News & World Report article published February 14, 2000, titled The Piltdown Chicken, the following quote was found. Now, paleontologists are eating crow. Instead of a true missing link connecting dinosaurs to birds, the specimen appears to be a composite. Its unusual appendage likely tacked on by a Chinese farmer, not evolution. 
Zhu Ying, a Chinese paleontologist and co-researcher of the find, emailed the bad news that it appeared two fossils had been pieced together. Stores Olson, curator of birds at the Smithsonian Institution's National Museum of Natural History, had warned National Geographic of the dubious credentials of this fossil find before they published the story. In a public statement, Olson said, the public is being completely bamboozled. And in another statement on this subject, Olson said, the idea of feathered dinosaurs and the theropod origin of birds is being actively promoted by a cadre of zealous scientists acting in concert with certain editors at Nature and National Geographic who themselves have become outspoken and highly biased proselytizers of the faith. Truth and careful scientific weighing of the evidence have been among the first casualties in this program, which is now fast becoming one of the grander scientific hoaxes of our age, the paleontologist equivalent of cold fusion. The experts, who, by the way, are funded by National Geographic, gave their new find quite a sophisticated name, Archeoraptor leoningensis. Sounds scientific, but try chicken with a phony lizard's tail. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 6, Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. Let me repeat an earlier statement. What is in vogue today in regard to what man claims is truth has, in fact, discredited the supposed truth of yesterday, and today's truth will be discredited tomorrow. It should be obvious, then, that that which man has called truth is not. God, on the other hand, is real truth, and he never changes, because truth will always remain true to itself. Keep in mind that when man contradicts God's truth, he will always be found a liar. God said, Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, For I am the Lord, I change not. God said, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. God said, Exodus chapter 20, verse 11, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Man said, There are no absolutes. The God of the Bible does not exist. We have the answers to our existence. God and his creation plan are not included in them. Now you have the record.